Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late to transportation. Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome back. I'm pleased to be bringing you this interview today, which is with Kevin Avery, who's a writer for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO. I encourage you to check out the show. And at first I thought it was not going to be good, not because of John Oliver, but because there are just so many excellent shows that are political satires right now. And I thought, how is he going to possibly carve out a new niche? And he did from the get-go. And I really encourage people to check out the show. And obviously that's in large part to John Oliver himself, but I'm sure the writers played a very important role too. And that's why it was really fun to sit down with Kevin Avery, who's also written for Totally Biased with Kamau Bell and um, Best Week Ever. In our last episode, spoke with Krista Johnson about how the fact is, is that there's so few plum writing jobs in New York, and most people in New York who are writers have to move to LA unless they get one of those jobs. And now I'm starting to learn or discover that maybe the reason there's so few plum jobs in New York is because Kevin Avery keeps taking them all. Here's my interview with Mr. Kevin Avery. Enjoy. So you've written for Totally Biased with Kamau Bell, which is like writing with one of your best friends in the whole world, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Um, you know, I don't really like him that much, but okay. yeah, he's cool. You guys had a podcast together. We, yeah, we still do. You got so? Do you go to LA to tape that podcast? Mm-mm. We well, okay. The we used to have this podcast called Cisco and Negro, and we would do it in the Bay Area, and it was basically like a an entertainment like movie podcast. And we haven't done that in a long time, but. We started doing this podcast recently. It's called Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period. And it's just all about Denzel Washington. Every episode, we just talk about Denzel. We, we is go it really to, about Denzel Washington? Yeah. Because I have a friend who's also been on the show, Wesley Morris, and he has a podcast that's all about Prince, but it's not really about Prince. That's just the title, and it's very confusing. Oh, really? Yeah. No, this is all about Denzel Washington. We basically, each episode, we go through Denzel Washington's, we hit it. A different Denzel Washington movie, and we're just working our way through his filmography in sort of alphabetical order. How I'll, often do you tape this podcast? It's weekly. And isn't Kamau back in San Francisco? He lives in the Bay Area. We record in two different studios. Okay. Oh wow! And you so, guys talk that. That's sort of nice that you guys get to do like that a, together. Like a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're like two teenagers, just feet crossed on the bed. <laughs> Giggling about our favorite movie star. It's adorable. Yeah. He has the most symmetrical um, face-shaped face. There was a, Denzel or he, There was an article about... No, Denzel. Okay. There was an article about it in, well, People Magazine. I'm sure it was really objective. But it talked about how symmetrical his face is, and that's why he's yeah, more attractive was, to people. I mean, he's just gorgeous. Yeah, but he, th- I think I remember something like that, where but that was, the whole article was about how the way your face lines up... Is how is how people find you more attractive or trustworthy? I just found out today he's the, I think the twenty third most trustworthy person. I love he, these polls. Like, him. who came yeah. up with that poll? It's oh. someone not trustworthy, yeah. and I love that you really, in your heart, do believe. Because it. they were talking about Brian Williams and how he went from uh. number whatever it was 
and he shot all the way down to 800 and something, 853 or something crazy like that. We'll see how that case um, comes out, but I am, it's fascinating when a journalist gets called to task and they don't speak out right away. And you're like, but you are usually asking others to speak out right Mm -hmm. away. Yeah. Um, So it is, it is interesting on the other side. So you've done the show, but you're still doing this podcast with Mm -hmm. him. You go to best week ever. Yeah. And then six weeks into working at best week ever, you decide to go to last week tonight with John Oliver at HBO, having no idea yeah how the show is gonna go yeah i mean and it turns out to be a huge success yeah it was i mean like i didn't know that um you know i i basically started because i we were i was supposed to submit to last week tonight i did not originally and um and so yeah i was just exhausted after totally biased and just kind of trying to decompress and and uh so I I talked I'd met the best week ever people and I didn't know if I was going to get that get that job and uh I also you know just you know I was in LA too I just had moved back to the west coast um not completely but I just it was weird cuz now I'm just I'm kind of going back and forth both coasts and so but I was in LA and just kind of like I don't know what's going to happen to me and uh, I didn't have it in me to even though I tried I didn't have it in me to submit my like the Daily Show was looking and I, I was like, oh, I'll do that too. And I did none of that. And so, um, and then I got the best, the, they let me know best week ever once you. And I was like, great, I'll do that. That's fun. I like pop culture. And so, yeah, I went there and, um, you know, it was, it was all, it was weird because it was the familiarity of, of uh, Totally Biased Going from that to okay, I'm the new guy. Like that's the that's the, kind of the weird thing for me is I realized oh I've never been in this position where I'm a brand new spanking guy coming to an already established TV show, and so that was it was kind of a fun experience, but at the same time it was you know it was a little that's supposed to happen with, the, with your first writing job I think that's what most pe- that's how it works for most people. Then your your first writing job, you're you're hired and you're and you get a job on this show and you're the new guy, and so I was experiencing the new guy uh, kind of after having known the entire staff, yeah. but, but particularly Kamau, yeah, and going also frankly from a writer to head writer, yeah. And now all of a sudden you're a writer again, exactly. So it was all very weird, and, and from a union job to a non-union job, yeah. Well, I didn't even think about that. It was oh. fun. I was just kind of... You I, might it, want to. As no, I knew. <laughs> yeah, right. The writers I, I was very... I was like, oh, right, this is... Eh, whatever. You know, like that wasn't going to... I wasn't going to not take the job because of that. But, no. Um, so, yeah, I, I ended up doing that. And, um, and I, you know, out of the blue, my agent kind of called me. I was at Best Week Ever for like a month and a half. And he was like, hey, are you still interested in that... Uh, last week tonight thing with John Oliver would you want to submit I was like yeah and um, he goes alright well um, they, they were asking about you and you should submit okay uh, sure let me put some things together or, well I guess I got a couple of weeks or something so I was like you know alright yeah what do, I, do I have like a week or something maybe a couple of weeks you got three days and um, so I 
I freaked out, and then I wrote um, a packet in three days. I might have been late. I think I think it actually took me four. Um, but I, yeah, I submitted it, and then met with those guys. Uh, literally, I submitted the packet, and they uh, I got a call a day later. I'm like, all right, let's meet. They want to meet with you. I'm like, okay. I mean, this is incredible considering also, like, for Kamau Bell, you have an idea of his point of view. I mean, you really knew his point of view. Mm-hmm. So you are at an advantage when you're submitting for that show because you, you know his point of view, even though the mm-hmm. show hasn't aired. Yeah, so yeah. So you don't have a template there. Then at Best Week Ever, there's a very clear template. Yes. And so now you don't have the added advantage of knowing this person's individual voice because you really know John Oliver from The Daily Show yeah. mainly. And then at the same time, it's a once a week show that hasn't, I'm sure they didn't reveal what the, yeah. Well, you know, what's weird is I was thinking about this a while ago. Uh, I felt surprisingly comfortable writing to his voice. I don't know why or how, but I should go back and look at my packet because I'd be very curious to see what it just, what now I'd look at and go, ugh, that's awful. But, um... Yeah, I don't know why. I I just it, it, I guess it's a mixture of having watched The Daily Show, having seen John, and then all that totally biased experience. Because I remember coming into it and just from the top, you know, it it, took, it was hard for me to write that. It it was to figure out what I wanted to say, what stories I wanted to go. I remember being kind of angry at some point, just like, oh, what the... Just mad that I had the opportunity of a lifetime. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but, because you don't want to squelch it? Yeah, you know, you just don't want to... I didn't want to um, blow it. And instead of turning that on myself, I just outwardly was pissed. Like, this is bullshit, you know? I mean, what do they expect from me? <laughs> Shit that made no, uh, no sense at all to have, you know... But, this is why you're writing the packet. This is while I'm writing the packet. Yeah. I was just mad because I couldn't think of what... Like, I was like, this isn't funny. Like, I was just mad at myself. I wasn't, I wasn't happy with what I was coming up with. And um, Would you second-guess yourself? Yeah, I think... Well, that, that's kind of a crazy lesson that I've heard... That I've learned repeatedly in this business. And um, I, uh, I did it on Totally Biased once. And um, I learn it all the time in... A, I, so on Totally Bias, I was in a room once. We were having a quick writers' meeting. We were pitching some things, and Chris was in the room. And Chris I, Rock. Chris Rock was in the room, and I had an idea for something, a joke, and I wanted to pitch it. And I, I was like, you know what? Don't pitch that joke. It's probably not funny. And Chris is right here. And so Chris does his thing. People pitch some things, and then he's like, I gotta go, and he leaves. And then after he leaves, I'm like. Oh, throw it out there so he's probably not going to get anything and I pitched the joke the room goes crazy and I was just like why would I do you know I was just so mad that I didn't pitch that while he was in the room Uh, so cut to me writing this packet I um, because that was the thing they for all the doubt that I had when I was kind of writing this uh, when I met with them they I knew that they they did they liked it um for one thing, I was in the room with them. <laughs> and also, they talked about, oh, well, we like this part here, and this is... And one of the things they did... So, at the time, uh, Walmart... Either Walmart or Target, I don't know, they were very they were very anti-union. And they had developed these scripts for their managers to... Um, 
basically a, a, a conversational script to follow if you're a manager for their managers to use on their employees to try to dissuade them from joining unions. And uh, I thought this was hilarious, and so I wrote a thing about it, and it all ended with this, with actors coming out and acting out, performing the scripts on the show. And what I really, originally I had written like, and Meryl Streep comes out and does the thing, and you know, whatever. And then I thought, that's, that's too much. They're going to think you're insane. Meryl Streep is not coming out to, to act out your, your Walmart script. And so I just had John introduce the last week tonight players. And so I'm in this meeting with them, and they're like, yeah, we like, oh, this, one of the things we liked is this, this Walmart script thing or Target or whatever it was. Uh, they go, we love the, how they act, come out and act it out. And John goes, we would want to go even further with it, though, and have like a famous actor come out like Meryl Streep, I mean, the, the exact, it was either Meryl Streep or, du- or Judy Dench. It, whoever it was, it was the exact actress that I had picked out. And I was just like, no. And even then I was like, yeah, no, that was the idea I had. I just was afraid to put it in because, and I knew they were just like, whatever. It was our idea. Like, so I, it was, it was the greatest thing to hear and the worst thing to hear all at the same time because I was just like, oh boy. So, and I still do it. I, the other day, John was, we were in a writer's meeting and John was looking for ideas for a thing. And I thought of something and I just kept my mouth shut. And then a writer sitting on the counter across from me pitched the exact same idea. And he was like, I, yeah, that's the way to go. And then that ended up on the show. Like, Amazing. I also wanted to ask, since you have all these other political shows up, like The Daily Show and Colbert Report, I mean, it's actually the hardest time to write Mm-hmm. such a good show and I think that's partly why Last Week Tonight stands out to me because the stakes are so high now there's so many shows mm-hmm. and I was going to ask like how did you guys set out to differentiate yourself from The Daily Show from Colbert Report um you know I think John from was from Mar yeah I from think from The Nightly Show I think <laughs> yes from the show of the future <laughs> he knew that show was happening um, I think that he was just always conscious of what they're doing and not trying to do that. So, and from big things to little things. Um, but you, when you're doing a show like this, uh, and I, I mean, when you're just, when your show's just starting, you quickly realize none of that shit matters because the show is going to evolve and become what it's going to become. So... Like, our thing now is we do these big 15-minute pieces and, and explore some topic that's not necessarily a news thing, but it's a, an issue that's happening, that's going on. And initially, first of all, we, no one was planning to, for us to do a 15-minute piece on anything, um, least of all us. Uh, we were, you know, I mean, we had, we knew we had room to be able to do longer pieces, but we thought, yeah, this will be like a big chunky seven or eight minute piece. And, um, you know, cause we have no commercials. We also. And interviews. And interview. Well, but that's the thing. We have an interview. There's a desk right there, a table right next to John for him to do interviews. And that was kind of a thing we were counting on. Like, yeah, and we'll have interviews and guests and stuff like that. And very quickly we, we realized, no, we don't have to do that. That we don't, you know. 
So there's no pressure of having that. We don't, we can kind of, the show just slowly turned into this, into what it was, which was something different from The Daily Show or Colbert or Totally Biased for that matter or any of these shows, you know. And so that, I think that is the type of thing that unless you're actively trying to copy another show or you're like, or you're just falling back on what someone else has already done a good job of, your show is going to find itself and it's going to become something different. What about all the attention? I mean, it's gotten such critical acclaim and it's just really is so smart and funny. I don't know if you're intending to be as smart as you guys are, but you are very smart. Thanks. Do you feel a lot of pressure? I mean, not Mm. just right now as I'm pushing it on you. I feel a ton (laughs) of pressure right now. Um, the dog has left my lap, so that makes it leaves me feeling a little awkward. And my dog I'm lady has embarrassed. been part of the interview, and then hurt. she just got tired. She just jetted. She was like, "Nah." Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of boring, actually. Um, well, she's just trying to figure out what her own HBO Go password is. <laughs> um, ask her to if I can borrow it because I don't have one. Do you um, not have HBO? No, I don't. I don't have HBO. Do they not give you an HBO Go password at least? Uh, the thing is, I technically don't work for HBO. Oh. So, Who do yeah. you work for since your show's on well, HBO? Well, I work for the production company. So now when you go back, you go back to perform, and you also have this show with Matt Brown, oh, yeah. this comedy show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I go back, yeah, to just do sets in L.A., to hang out and goof off. And um, Matt and I, it's weird, the the... Who's another comedian? Yeah, Matt Bronger and I, uh, he had this idea for... I pronounced for... his name incorrectly, and I just said Matt Bronger. I don't know did why you? I did that. Yeah, I added oh, I it. Uh, just made him sort of French. Very, very French, yeah. He'd like that. Yeah. Um, but he, he sold this show to Comedy Central, uh, to their, this web series, and um, he, I guess his initial idea was, it's basically... Um, it doesn't have a title yet, but it's about this guy, Gary, who... Um, it's about what happens when all the white people in America are simultaneously um, moved to Canada, to what's called the, the, the New United States. And um, this takes place in the year 2042, when, when white people are supposed to be the, become the minority. And so it's about what happens when all the white people are moved up to Canada and everybody of color is left in the old United States except one white person every X amount of miles, like every 25 or 30 miles, uh, who's left behind as an emissary for the people of color <laughs> to the people in Canada, to, the, to where all the white people are. And, uh, and so he plays Gary. And, um, and so he, his initial idea, though, was it feature, it's, the plan is for it to feature different comedians and um, each episode features a different comedian of color. And uh, originally, I guess, he was going to have these comedians write it. Each comedian would write the episode with him, and Comedy Central was like, just pick a guy, for Christ's sake. <laughs> just pick somebody. Uh, so this is what he told me. So, yeah, he just called me and asked me to, to write this web series with him. Like, yeah, sure. He's like, I didn't think Comedy was... Central made me pick just you. <laughs> yeah, basically, like, look, I have to... Sorry, uh, but he, you know, he called me and asked me to write it with him, and uh, I, I thought, yeah, this is cool, it's fun, um, uh, and he, I didn't expect, I didn't know it was going to be a thing. I and this was in between um, writing for and being the head writer for 
Um, totally biased with Kamau Bell and Best Week Ever? No, this was last October. Oh, wow. This just kind of happened. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... When it rains, it pours. But you're also, it's not just that things are getting picked up that you're writing, it's that yeah. you're writing them simultaneously and they're getting picked up. That's what's crazy. I actually had to get permission from, from uh, last week tonight to, to work on this thing. And um, so that was, that's when I knew I was like, oh, is that, is it seriously? Do I? Um, and then they announced, I really just thought we were writing this web series and Comedy Central would stick it somewhere on, on the internet. And we'd all go home. And then uh, last week, it was they announced it in Variety. <laughs> and it was our digital slate. And I was like, what? what so I just want to go back a little bit in time mm-hmm. and just talk about Totally Bias with Kamau Bell. Sure. Um, so you had to submit, even though you'd been working together, doing stand-up together for a long time. You mm-hmm. guys were had written a bunch of things together. Yeah. Um, you submit for the show. You become a writer. And then you become the head writer. Yeah. How did you deal with the fact that all these people on the show know that it's your first writing job and then you get head writer? Um, it was, you know, it was weird because I had to, uh, I guess, am I, oh, is my, is my mic? All right, great. Um, Stop fidgeting. <laughs> no, I'm trying to hold it in place. I know, I know. Um, Sorry. But the, it, it was weird because, yeah, the, I can't, you just have to act as if, and you really have to act as if. Because, yeah, they all, it was my first writing job, and they all, they all know this. So it wasn't like I was green and I was coming in and meeting these people for the first time. They were all there when I was just that guy. And now I'm, oh, this guy? So, uh, but they were all very supportive, too. That was, that was the cool thing. Um, and, you know, I got the job for a reason. So it wasn't like, they didn't pick my name out of a hat, I hope. Um, so Unlike Matt. <laughs> Matt, who, yeah, who rolled some <laughs> dice. And I was like, all right, I guess it's Avery. Um, just kidding, Matt. Um, but, uh, no, you know, I first and foremost had this job to do, and that was that was all I was really worried about. You know, there was no pressure from those guys either, from the other writers. I didn't. You know, I think there were days when I was like, "Oh God, how does this?" Uh, you know, I had to lead, but you know, I had to manage. But I think they kind of knew what everyone knew what we were trying to do with this show. Um, and I think they understood my position and they were behind me. You know, that sounds super diplomatic. I feel like I've, I'm... It does. That's why I'm like, interview. all right, let's, let's go to the next question. But no, what, what, but I mean, what do you, like... <laughs> what was it like working with Chris Rock? Um, he was the executive producer on the show. Yeah. He was great. The, I mean, the thing about Chris is that uh, he... Oh, here comes, here she comes again. Here comes Lady. Yeah. Um, threatening to pull out the cords. Don't pull oh, out the microphone just, cords. I just yanked out my cord. That was my fault. I did that. Here we go. Our interview just got interviewed, but interrupted by my dog. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, working with Chris Rock is great because it's, uh, A, he's Chris Rock, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. The, the Yoda of comedy. Um, 
but he he was very hands on um, for the most part. He uh, you know first season, first season he was there like two three times a, a week, just popping in the office and stuff. It kind of got weird actually because <laughs> he would just show and be like, "Oh my, Chris is here." Uh, and that was the thing too to be to have this new writing job, and then. Oh, and also Chris Rock might just show up and blow into your office. One time he came in my office. I shared an office with two other writers. And he just sat there for two hours and talked. It was the weirdest shit ever, but it was like, all right. Just. But that's the hardest thing ever because he's your boss. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he's shooting the shit. So you're like, okay, so should we get back to writing or should we just <laughs> yeah. sit here and shoot the shit? Oh, Yeah. I mean, it was crazy because it was very, it was all very new at that time. And so, but he's, he's also, you know, he's also talking about, he's not just, we're not just talking about the game or anything. Like, he's talking about comedy, he's talking about all kinds of things. And he's asking about the show too, I mean, that's coming up. But, yeah, he was in there for a long ass time and, and it was just, I'm like, I can't believe. And... He really was, because the other writer in the room just started asking him questions. Just started interviewing him. <laughs> and I realized this is turning into an interview. And then Chris would just break a thing down or, you know. But he was always there on show days. And uh, so he, he would, we were literally getting like joke advice from this guy who would who could pinpoint things in the script and go you know Kamau so we're there we're sitting on the floor we're rehearsing and Kamau's doing his thing and we're we all get the script and we're kind of figuring out all right what's gonna go what's uh um my pecs getting in the way yeah your pecs are getting in the way of the mic we just have to put it down a little bit but do, should I switch to is it better if, if it's over yeah, here you, um, on your right side your pecs are much flatter than your left side yeah. you just because you, you had me change it before okay but I'll just put it closer to my face. Good. Here, all right. Um, I have no pecs on my right. Um, but, yeah, the great thing about Chris is that he'd be there on the show days, and as we're rehearsing and we're watching come out and we're going through the script, um, he's, he would occasionally just pipe up with, oh, you need a joke here. You need something here for this. Or, no, this isn't the joke. The joke is actually you know, X, Y, and Z. And he wouldn't tell us necessarily the joke. He would just say, it's it's really about this. And, you know, the funny thing is sometimes he was he was wrong. Just because it's, it's it has to come out of Kamal's mouth and not his. Would he, and so when that happened, would Kamal be like, actually, this isn't working? Who would tell, like, what do sometimes. you do when, when the executive producer is like, I, you got to do the joke this way? And then you're the host, and you're the head writer. I mean, yeah. how did each person... Well, this, uh, you know, this was something, like, uh, the meat of this would happen even before I was head writer. Um, and it's funny, because it's Chris, you know, he's there in his role as the executive producer. But the guy pin- pointing out where a joke belongs or doesn't belong or why you should say this versus that that's the comic that's the comic chris rock this seems like an ideal uh training ground it was i mean it was brutal you know sometimes he'd tell you shit you didn't want to hear sometimes he was very he was just very brash and very chris rockish and some and that 
it could hurt your feelings sometimes. But there was always something to be learned from it. And so he, he wouldn't always tell you what the joke was, but he would definitely tell you, you know, why your thing didn't, did or did not work. And, you know, yeah, earlier on in the game, he would throw something out to Kamau. And sometimes he would just straight up pitch a joke. And Kamau would just try it, you know. Uh, and then as we all got comfortable with each other, I think sometimes Kamau realized, oh, this wouldn't work for me. This would just work for him. And he would be like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And Chris knew. He got it. He, didn't, he wasn't tripping. I think he even liked it more when Kamau would push back on something. But it showed, A, you know, Kamau was kind of taking ownership of kind of coming into his own. And then it also showed that, you know, we were all learning from this and we were all figuring it out. What I think is the craziest of this whole thing. It's the mm-hmm. first time FX has a show like this. It's yeah. the first time a show has such a diverse, and I mean race, class, gender, you name it, yeah, writing yeah. staff, um, and a really thoughtful bent to it mm-hmm. um, as the host, Kamau's yeah. um, point of view. But how did you switch from a weekly show to a daily show? Well, well. That sounds um, like, I mean, it just <laughs> gives me an aneurysm just thinking about it. I don't know any other show in the history of shows that had to do that. Yeah. Are there? I'm sure. Somebody. Gosh. I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it was, I don't know. We knew it was coming. So it wasn't just like we showed up one day and then we finished the show and they're like, oh, you got to do it tomorrow too. And we we're like, what? We knew. We, I mean, it was just hard. It was extremely taxing. And I don't know if we ever really figured it out before the show got canceled. Um, we just kind of worked through it and tried our best to, you know, we learned a lot about each other, all of us, all the, all the writers did. Um, but, yeah. It, it, Time management-wise, like, how did that change? Well, everything had, you know, we had to, um, basically when a piece was done, it was done, you know, and it was, you know, we would send people out of the room in a meeting. Go write that right now. Um, and we also tried to write ahead as much as possible. Um, but it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to, to plan the plan and implement the plan at the same time. The plan's ever-changing. The execution of it is just, the ex- is just happening. So... You know, when you're trying to do that and you look up, oh, we're going to change something in the middle of the thing we're doing already, that has that can have consequences. Um, but we did it. We just somehow got a show on the air every, you know, four nights a week. So, so before this really phenomenal writing career of yours has taken mm-hmm. off and that you get to write for Kamau Bell, you become head writer there, then you wrote for Best Week Ever, a completely different show, and now you're at Last Week Tonight with John mm-hmm. Oliver, and you also um, have other things going on in the works. You really were also um, hitting it comedy-wise as a stand-up. And with Thugs the Musical, I feel like becoming a film mm-hmm. and getting critical acclaim and being in all these festivals, which is happening right as you're getting hired for yeah. Kamau Bell, did you feel like, okay, I have to put my stand-up and acting career on the side? Do you feel like you're now, you are better able to balance it just by the sheer nature of like, okay, I now know what it's like to write for a show. I know how much time that takes up. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, yeah, you know, writing for these shows is it is all consuming. Oh, it's 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 it's, it's Carrie. Probably. Carrie is is um, <laughs> Kevin's manager, and she is a phenomenal manager. But what she should be best known for is her <laughs> shooting ability, because she. I thought she just went to target practices, but what you're telling me is no. She, she goes to these tactical classes, and she learns how to. Basically, she's like a. If uh, someone in SWAT sprains their ankle, she could probably jump right in and. Hey, how's it going? We were just talking about you. <laughs> Okay. Uh huh. Oh, I think we should just keep this on the podcast. Yeah. Is it oh, still still recording? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like fascinating to learn. Like, so you get a call from your manager. She's like running to an appointment, but you just got booked on something. Yeah. Like Lawrence O'Donnell show. Yeah. He's very smart. He wrote for the West Wing. I think he went to Harvard. No pressure. Yeah. And then we need to get you an outfit. Yeah, that's the... Uh, it's funny. This is That's the most pressing thing. I'm in a hoodie. That, that says, says last, last week, week tonight. tonight I cannot wear that on the show. And I have this... And I have a t-shirt on. They're going to have to give me a shirt. And it's yeah. going to look... And I'm going to look bad. Because they're going to find some button-down shirt. Maybe the yeah. guy... Maybe the car can take me to a store. Yeah, I like think a so. gap. If they just take me to the gap, I'll just oh, get a t-shirt. Just find, just grab the gap. Okay, so you know what though? This is the good news. Okay. Their studio, it's MSNBC. Mm-hmm. I MS- think so. MSNBC is right at Rockefeller Center, so there's a J Crew there. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. And there's Anthropology. Ooh. Hold on to your mic. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you get ready for this show. This is the, the greatest. What's, intro. This is it. I'm in my outfit. <laughs> There's no getting ready. This is what they're going to get. They, he is going to have to call me, so we're going to have to take another break. The book is going to call me in a second. Well, I and guess have this a answered my question up. better than I could have. What was, your, was, yeah, what was the you, question? Like, how, did you ba- how do you balance your stand-up and acting career with writing for all these shows? And yeah. The answer is that sometimes when you're in the middle of a podcast, <laughs> you have to yeah. go, and you now you have to cancel your stand-up gig later. Now I have to cancel this stand-up gig. Um, yeah, sorry, guy. Right, that well, I'm about to, I'm gonna, I'm about I'm, to. We're going to let you get ready. I will definitely give you one of my t-shirts. I'm not wearing one of your t-shirts. <laughs> on um, and then shows. one of the issues that they want to talk about tonight is that uh, John Stewart is retiring from The Daily Show. John Stewart is about to be on my show mm-hmm. next week, February 19th. That's exciting. the month on that live taping. That's pretty awesome. And so this is, now you have to comment on it. Do you have any comments on it, Kevin? Um, I'd like to say that all for uh, Lawrence O'Donnell. <laughs> no, I don't know. I literally just learned about this because I got this phone call. Like, we've been sitting here talking for the past two hours. Yeah. So I have not, I don't know, I'm not up on the news. And actually, no one knows because, well, no one's supposed to know because he announced it on his taping and that has already happened, but the show doesn't air until Until later, o'clock. but yeah. people started tweeting. So, but uh, the word is out and... Um, he He was... Hinting at it for quite a bit, though. We kind of knew. Yeah. We kind of knew. But, um, I mean, we, I don't know. We just figured, well, he left once to go do a movie, and yeah. he's been at it a long time, and, and yeah, he hasn't. I, I would imagine it's hard to do anything forever and ever, amen. 
I'm, I'm surprised that he hadn't burnt out earlier just because yeah. he does so much work and he's so good at it. It's a lot. But that's a lot of work to do that every day. We're going to find out. I mean, that's the difference between writing for a show and doing stand-up mm-hmm. and then somehow doing both. That's the difference. It's like yeah. he's performing every night after managing a staff oh my God. and writing jokes all day. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're not quite sure what you're doing tonight, but this was a perfect example of... Well, actually, listeners can find out because they can go look for the Lawrence O'Donnell show, see if they saw Kevin Avery on. If you saw him on, then you'll know that that's where he ended up. You'll know I was a lion. And if you're in Queens, you'll see him performing at Creek in the Cave. And you can definitely <laughs> listen right. to my interview with Jon Stewart coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for being on Employee of the Month. This was so, so fun. Thank you. This was fun. It was, our, it was the first interview I've ever had. In my apartment, which is really? where I write. Yep. Where do you usually have them? At the Writers Guild. Where is that? Uh, it is, or the Joe's Pub. Um, the Writers Guild is downtown in Tribeca. All but, places closer to where I live. Yeah. So I'm even more happy, at, but you're getting a limo <laughs> to take you away. So that's, yeah, well, that's I hope that exciting. limo can take me to J. Crew. Um, there's a J. Crew right there. Okay. All right. While Kevin goes off to go shopping, I hope you all have a f- inspired time doing whatever it is you want to do after this it may just be drinking a beer that's what i want to do yeah it sounds pretty good right Mm -hmm. um all right that's the end of this episode of employee of the month thank you for tuning in that's it for this episode of employee of the month thank you for listening thank you to ian mazoff for editing this together go to employeeofthemonthshow.com to get on the mailing list so that you can be one of the first people to find out when we have live tapings so that you won't miss live tapings and then write me emails about Can you please get me in when I can no longer sadly get you in? But I can get you this wonderful podcast as well as videos. If you go to YouTube, Monkeys Are Adorable, you can check out videos. And if you want to donate to EmployeeOfTheMonthShow.com, if we raise enough money, we could probably get a social media manager um, and a cabana boy. Okay, you don't have to give me money for the cabana boy. I was just adding. You're supposed to put out there what you want. It's a business expense is what I thought. Have a good one.